Greetings, online community. You are about to enjoy today's service and a message about one of Echo's core values, generosity. You get to hear more from our third favorite Paul, Paul Herkman, who's only behind Paul McCartney and the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. No big deal. Uh, so enjoy. Echo Church is your place, your people, and your purpose. We want to take a moment to welcome you, whoever you are, for real. Would you connect with us? Like, comment, like, message us today, and let us know how we can pray for you. Flood Sunday's coming up. I love Flood Sunday. We're back after that technical difficulty, but save the date. For Flood Sunday, November 28th, during both of our Sunday services, we'll be celebrating with those who will walk into the waters of obedience. If you are interested in learning more about water baptism or participating yourself, email us at hey at wearetheecho.church. Oh, no, that's just period. Echo, you are so generous. Thank you for conti your continued diligence to give God 10% of your income and offering more. If you're looking to give to Echo today, you can head to our website or text any amount to 84321. But our work is not done. We have an opportunity to participate in Operation Christmas Child, and we want to invite you to make a difference. Pick up your boxes from Echo this week. Enjoy, Enjoy Echo's, Echo's Sunday, Sunday service. service. Nailed it. There's a sling in my voice and a stone in my praise. Pushing back when the darkest weapons fall. There's a power on my lips, even death can't defy. When the name of our God is lifted high. There is resurrection power when we sing the name of Jesus. Resurrection power when we raise a mighty sound. So come on, let your praise get loud. Make that empty grave resound. Because there is resurrection power in his name. 
there's freedom here this morning in surrender. There's freedom in letting go and opening your arms and opening your heart. So how do we stand here this morning? grateful that we can stand here today, that we can stand and surrender, God, and stand before you with our hearts open and our, our arms open. God, we thank you for this time together. series all the rage and today we are just gonna lean into one of our core values of being generous look at your neighbor and say we are generous, we are generous. and uh, as we were uh, preparing uh, for this series and and kind of it's actually kind of a transitional type of uh, moment and week in going to another series where we're going to focus and lean in a little bit about generosity and finances and all those wonderful things y'all like to talk about uh, here in Minnesota. Uh, it, it came to my attention that Paul, uh, our friend, was available to come here today and to kind of bridge the gap. And, and, and I'm super excited for Paul Herkman. He is, he is definitely my first favorite Paul. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know Paul the Apostle, so I, you know, whatever. I appreciate his writings, but he's not my favorite. So, uh, but no, I'm super excited to have my friend Paul here. We went to college together, and honestly, if I could tell you uh, the credibility uh, of who he is, uh, it would be said in one statement, and, and, and this is the statement. When I grow up, I wanna be like Paul. And I think y'all would want to be like Paul after you're, you're done with this as well. So anyway, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Uh, he's here not only as Paul, but also uh, support or really uh, coming and, and, and letting you guys be aware of, of a giving initiative that we are committed to through venture.org. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, and I'm super excited. So we're going to watch a video and then he's going to come up. But let's welcome Paul before we press play. 
COVID-19 is a big problem. And we wanted to keep girls at the lighthouse, but because of the government rules to send these girls back to home. The health challenges, the food challenges, they have no water. And 10% of the girls that went to the village has this suicidal tendency. The one girls from our lighthouse, her name is Amrita, she committed suicide. Two weeks ago, I received another news that another girl tried to commit suicide also. I don't want to lose another girl, you know. I already lose one. That girl's life is matter to me. When the COVID comes, it's more problem for displaced people and they don't have like enough food so it's very dangerous for their family for the baby or with the children if venture cannot send the food it will be very difficult because it is our main food that we receive the girls that have gone to the village are always at risk of being sold this is the right time for the pimps to convince the girls parents and also they can convince girls they don't have food they are sick, they need medicine, and like perfumes have money, they have food, they have everything. When lockdown is over, they're gonna take the girls from Nepal to India, for sure. This is how they're working. I don't wanna see another girls standing in a like brothel in India, just, you know, hoping somebody come. God brings us into contact with marginalized communities who are systemically oppressed and puts us in touch with local leaders who have already started to address the oppression. And it's our privilege to come alongside those people. That's what we do, it's what we've always done. Venture is helping the people who need it most. Making the people like trust that, okay, you are not alone in this, your battle. We're choosing to suffer so that they can be free. We're not gonna let you down. We're not gonna let you like sold out. We're not gonna let you like being wet. We are so thankful to the Lord for venture and the people that are joining with venture to bring the hope to cope up with the pandemic. And otherwise many of us could have died with this challenges. There is an end to our suffering. Victims of trafficking don't have a finish line. There's a pain, but like, we're gonna help you. We're gonna feed you. And this is called true love. Even no matter what happens, you know, challenge is part of life. But let us join hands together, share whatever we can do, and bring the message of hope to the people. Because together, we can make a difference. Good morning, everybody. Y'all looking good. I, uh, you know, it's always that moment where you know, or maybe you don't know, but I'm supposed to say I'm happy to be here. I'm supposed to say nice things, but I, I really want to tell you how thrilled I am to be here. Uh, I, I have goosebumps now. You can't come up and feel my arms because that would be weird, but I have goosebumps because I love this place. Um, I've been following what I would call is more of an echo movement for two years. Um, thrilled, thrilled because, um, not just because I love uh, Christy and Andy, um, not just because uh, Andy kind of, I've got hair goals and I keep chasing him and then he cuts his hair and so now I might have to cut my hair, but, but more than just loving the leadership here, I love the DNA of this place. And not just where you meet on a Sunday morning, but the very DNA resonates with me so deeply. And I also, I'm also thrilled to be here because I get to just say thank you. From the inception of Echo, y'all have partnered with Venture, and you may or may not know that depending on when you joined this story, but from the beginning, before you ever even had a building, Echo stepped up and Andy just said, we're gonna invest in some lives of people in places where we may never go because that's what the love of God calls us to. There's a line in that video, and I know the video said 2020, and when we made the video, we thought, hey, this is gonna be like six months or eight months, and then everything's back to normal, and really it feels like nothing's back to normal. But there's this line that kind of simultaneously haunts me and inspires me and informs everything that I'm gonna to attempt to share this morning but it's that the marginalized are exponentially vulnerable in this season. The marginalized are always vulnerable across history, across time and space. In fact, maybe that's why Jesus talked about them so much. 
But right now, the marginalized are exponentially more vulnerable. All of us have been impacted. I mean, we're at the medical cradle of the Midwest and the world right here. We've all been impacted by what's going on, but I promise you, the marginalized are exponentially more vulnerable right now. I feel it all the time in the emails that we get. When we get reports coming in requesting food, requesting food because uh, a military coup somehow has created violence in an unstable place and there's a surge of over 200,000 refugees, a projection of more than 76,000 kids under five years old just sitting out in a jungle wondering where their food will come from. I get it in the emails and reports from our partners where pimps are literally pre-purchasing girls. That is one of the worst sentences in all of language. Nobody should be doing that. And I'll take a pause and we will stay PG in all of my stories. But if anybody is, is traumatized by any of these stories, I just want to be sensitive to what we're sharing. I get it in, in emails with... Uh, where some of our pastors that we partner for church planting in some of the areas where we serve are brutally beaten and jailed simply for sharing their faith. The marginalized are exponentially more vulnerable right now. And so what we do in this moment matters. What we do in this partnership matters. The DNA of Echo, the DNA of Venture, the stories that you see in that video and the things that we're gonna share, this is our story together. Whether you knew it or not, whether you just rolled in and you're tired and you're just trying to down some caffeine to try to keep up with the long-haired guy that talks a lot because I'm like four cups of coffee in, you may not have known that you were part of some of the things that are happening with what God's doing in incredible places around the world. We say we're passionate about bringing justice to the unreached. We serve in an area, this circle right there. Okay, this will blow your mind. Inside of that circle right there, or if you're looking right there, half of the world's global population lives. Half. Talk about population density. And inside of that circle is the most amount of unreached people, and that simply means that they have no near access to the most beautiful story that's been told across time and space that brings immediate and eternal hope. And in that place with the greatest amount of people, the greatest concentration of unreached people in all the world, 1% of all Christian giving is invested in that circle. 1%. And that's where we're called. Not we venture, we in partnership. That's where we are called. And so we invest in those places and it's a difficult and dangerous place. In fact, venture in the dictionary means to go to a difficult or dangerous place or do a difficult or dangerous thing. And that's where we feel called, where it is the most vulnerable. And we go there and we identify marginalized communities and we address four different injustices. There won't be a quiz, but if you wanna remember, human trafficking, refugee crisis, extreme poverty and persecution. Refugee crisis, human trafficking, extreme poverty, and persecution. We address those four injustices and then we collaborate with leaders in those areas, not people that look like me, but people that are born in these areas that understand the root cause of some of these injustices. And we collaborate for immediate and long-term strategic programs that'll bring the immediate and eternal hope of the gospel. And some of these programs are things like food programs and, and rescue and education and, and microfinance and agribusiness and church planting. And so because of partnerships like this, we're able to impact people. And then we come back to the local church like Echo right here. And we don't just invite you to hear a few stories and to feel bad, but to step in to step in the way Jesus invited people to step in. And it's a call to fervent prayer. It's a, it's a call to radical giving and even physical sweat. We, we started in a space just like this, somebody talking on stage and three college students going, man, I wanna respond to that message. They biked across the country. And then we started biking, hiking, running. You don't have to do all those things to be a part of venture. You can just be plugged in here and you're a part of it. But we even invite people to physical sweat. Uh, just before COVID, my buddy Alex and I, we got to hike to the base camp of Everest and it was incredible. But we, we rally people around and we invite you to 
create space in your life to respond to people because, again, this is what Jesus invited us to, and this is, this is what we've been up to in the last year every single day because of your generosity. 15,800 meals were provided to kids every single day. In one of the countries that we serve, historically unstable, there was a violent coup, and as a result of that coup, over 200,000 refugees pushed off their land, bombs buried so they can never go back, wondering what they're going to do out in the middle of the jungle, wondering where their next meal is, and God, in his divine plan, allowed us to partner with you and with our partners there and are able to provide close to 16,000 meals every single day, every single day, more than... 700 people have been rescued from human trafficking or intercepted. And, and if I could do anything, lean in for just a moment because human trafficking is like this label. It's this box. It's, it's somewhat innocuous unless you've personally experienced it. But what the difference is when we say somebody has been rescued, on average, the young women that we have rescued uh, were rescued from a life where they were exploited 20 or 30 times every day. And I appreciate actually some people shaking their heads this way because the only, in my mind, cuss words can communicate the level of anger that I have about what's going on here. And yet we get to do something about that. More than 700 girls not only are not exploited anymore, but they wake up in a warm bed, they have a healthy meal, they have world-class education, and they have hopes and dreams, and they're introduced to the gospel. Every single day we provide education for 1,200. That's four- and five-year-olds that are learning to read and write, but it's also young adults that are learning business, agriculture, and church planting. We want to invest long-term, and so we don't want to just be providing meals. We want to come up with long-term sustainable solutions, so we invest in agribusiness. Last year, funding over 800 farmers. So not only can they take care of themselves and their family, but it can help transform whole communities. And here's the one thing that we know. In the places where we serve, the longer that we're there, the number one source of transformation for an individual or for a community is really the presence of a local church. And we have an idea of church. You guys don't even know you're part of one of the greatest church plants. And I don't mean that superlatively. I mean, actually, the country talks about this place. I'm, I'm not lying. They might say it, and you might go, well, probably every pastor says that. The country talks about what's happening right here. Church planting in the areas where we serve is an opportunity to introduce a whole new worldview. It's not just about coming to a place on a Sunday. It's an opportunity where we invite husbands not to beat their wives, parents not to sell their children, neighbors not to rob from one another. It's a radical new worldview where we invite people through the gospel to see themselves as their creator sees them, as men and women and children of the king. That's why this last year, Probably the thing that I get most excited to talk about is in the midst of all that's happening with COVID, we were able to plant more than, a, well, 181 brand new churches, over 400 churches in the last two years, and you were a part of this. This is our mutual DNA. This is why I'm excited not to come up and talk about the things that Venture is doing, but to talk about what this partnership looks like. And to be very clear, the DNA that we share, we're not the origin story. This is the DNA of the kingdom. We're going to talk for just a few minutes that biblical justice is the DNA of the kingdom. It is so clear throughout scripture in the words of Jesus, echoed through the history of the church. This idea of engaging injustice is transformational. I've seen it in the communities that we're around. Do you know that there are over 2,000 verses in Scripture that talk about justice and our role with the poor and the oppressed? That's more than all of the verses about money and sex. And I know Andy and Christy like to talk about money and sex. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> We specialize in certain things that we talk about, but, but somehow this idea of justice kind of gets polarized. Justice is for some people, or some ministries, or some churches, or some seasons. And we miss the opportunity and the reality that biblical justice is everywhere in Scripture. 
It's gotten co-opted by certain political ideologies or social philosophies when the reality is we're supposed to be driving the conversation as Christ followers about the kingdom that biblical justice is part and parcel of the DNA of who it means to be a Christ follower. And if it is foundational to being a Christ follower, then how do we apply it to our lives every single day? What can we do right now so that some aren't kind of signing out going, okay, that's for some people and others going, yeah, we need this message, but to actually as Christ followers connected to the way of Christ say, what does this have to do with us in this moment? You see, for, what, for whatever reason, this, well, not for whatever reason, justice is polarized very specifically because it's so powerful in the kingdom that Satan wants to absolutely destroy our understanding of it. He wants us to fight about it. He wants us to be apathetic about it. He wants us to feel like it's good enough to feel bad about the stories you saw in the video and walk home or drive home. But justice invites us to do more than just feel bad. Justice invites us to create space in our life, to move from what is comfortable to something less comfortable on behalf of other people. You see, I think the problem isn't that we talk about justice too much. I think the problem is we don't understand how big it really is. We have one word for justice, and that's understandable. In the scripture, specifically in the First Testament, there are two concepts. Now, these concepts, and I, I call it a concept because in the Hebrew language, there's only about 7,000 words, and then in our English language, there is 170,000 words, and so I'm going to do some bad math, but that's like for every word that you read in scripture, it's got to represent like 25 of our words. So there are like two concepts that I want to talk about very quickly to help us understand justice so that you're not going, oh, that guy, he knows what he's talking about, but the next time if you choose to open scripture or listen to your pastor or even listen to a song on the radio, when you see it and you see these words, you're like, oh, that's what those mean. That's what this has to do with me. And if your heart's beating and you're a little bit excited, you're going, yeah, this is what the DNA of God inside of you wants to come to life. And so the first word is sadaka. We're going to go Hebrew a little bit, okay? But that, that's okay. Andy went, I mean, you went like uh, anthropology and, and, you know, narratology. I don't even know if that's a word, narratology. I think you were pulling on that one. It's a real thing. Right, anyway, so sadaka. Sadaka in Scripture is every time you open the book and you see the word righteousness. Now, if you're like me, you grew up or you understood or understand righteousness in terms of like right behavior. It's like my right behavior with God. And that is the primary relationship of Sadaka. But it's not the only one. The listeners of that day and Hebrew folks would understand that Sadaka is both our relationship with God, but because of that, it informs my relationship with you as an individual and my relationship with y'all. I lived in Texas for five years, so I can officially use the word y'all. Um, but it is, because of this, it informs and has to play out in this. It has to. And it has to play out in how I'm connected even to the created universe. This is what they would understand every time in Scripture when it talks about being righteous, pursuing righteousness. Uh, Christy, this morning you talked about Amos. I mean, you could have preached the message. Amos is so, so good. But talks about this kind of righteousness saying, saying that as we pursue this, it's going to exemplify itself in this. And so this idea of righteousness, sadaka, is primary justice. Theologians call it primary justice. It just means that there is a created order, a good and right order, a design. And when we live that design out in Scripture, it's called shalom. And maybe you've seen it in uh, kind of maybe a Jewish movie or you just go shalom, it's like peace. But it's not just like peace, although it works with the hair and the beard if I just got up and did this. Um, <laughs> But peace means the interconnected thriving of all people. So when Sadaka, and I know it's early for Sadaka and Shalom, but when Sadaka, when righteousness is working, when you read it in Scripture, when you sing about it, when it's working, there's Shalom. There's, there's interconnected thriving, and I see it in this place. I see the thriving. Y'all are thriving. But it's not just in this place. It's how we thrive out right? So then the second word, shalom wasn't the second, that's like a bonus, an addition for y'all. After sadaka is the word mishpat. When you look in scripture, that's where you see the word justice mostly. And mishpat means that we see systems that benefit all, and we also recognize systems 
that aren't benefiting all, and we do something about it. Because of my mish, because of my sadaka, because of my re right relationship with God, because my relationship with Andy's getting better, because my relationship with Alex is getting better, because it's getting better, I not only know right relationship, I also see brokenness differently. I see brokenness in personal relationships and I see systemic brokenness. I see groups of people that are marginalized. And when I see that, mishpat is called rectifying justice or retributive justice. It simply means I have to do something about it. This is where we've stopped. We can see brokenness. We understand it, we feel bad, we click like on Facebook, we are conditioned to see the brokenness, but Mishpat says I have a role in a relationship because I now know what healthy interaction is. I now know what healthy means. I now know because Jesus came and sacrificed for me that part of my role is to sacrifice for other people and I'm willing to do that for shalom, for interconnected thriving. And every time we see this word mishpat, throughout scripture it's connected to what's called the quartet of the vulnerable, the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the refugee. The widow, the orphan, the poor, and the refugee, which is why we work in these areas, which is why we do the things that we do, is to reach out in those areas. Jesus paid attention to these areas. He's not inviting us to pay attention to it just politically or sociologically, but as a kingdom focus that because he paid attention, we pay attention because it is a beautiful picture of stepping from brokenness to thriving, from, from hurting to shalom. And this is a picture of what Jesus offers right now and eternally. So this is our shared DNA. This is what we get to be a part of. Not some of you, not some churches, not some ministries, not some seasons, but part and parcel of what it means to be a Christ follower. We cannot fully divorce. And if we divorced justice from being a Christ follower, we miss the fullness of what the kingdom is supposed to look like. I have seen it in the areas where communities are transformed. Micah 6.8 reminds us, Micah 6.8 in the First Testament, I'm telling you, it's like um, John 3.16 in the Second Testament. This is the verse. It's the verse, what does the Lord require of us to do justice, to do mishpat? to love mercy and to walk humbly. What does it mean to do that kind of justice? I, I've been wrestling, I mean, for years with another verse. It's 1 John 3, 17, and it says this. Hey, if you see a brother or sister in need and you're not moved to respond, how can God abide in you? I, I want to stop and be really careful. He's not saying if you don't help in a compassion ministry or reach out or give money, you're going to hell. It doesn't say that. Heaven and hell is a relationship based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then it informs us, and it simply says, if you're not moved to do something, something might be broke. And we all know we got broken spots, right? But this morning, we're going to talk about the broken spot of seeing, of feeling deeply, and doing jack. We get to do something. It's great. So I'm three... Three ways where we can do justice, do mishpat. As you read in scripture, as you think about this over the next couple of days, what does it mean for us to do mishpat? What does it do mean to create space for shalom, for thriving, for us to be a part of it? And one of the spaces that I want to encourage is to do justice in your homes. Here's the deal. If Jesus talked about it so much, if it's the DNA of God, if there are over 2,000 scriptures, maybe we can make the jump that justice really is all the rage in scripture, right? Yes. Maybe it is all the rage. Maybe it is important that we get it. Maybe it is important that we figure out what it looks like in our homes, whether we live by ourselves, with our roommates, with a spouse, with kids, or whether, I'll just leave it there. Whatever your living situation is, what does it look like to do justice, bring justice, bring mishpat into our homes? There's a story in the First Testament. It's uh, 2 Samuel 9. It's a story of King David, which a lot of us know, and Mephibosheth, which many of us don't know. And even if we do, we don't like to say it a lot. At least I don't, because there's a really good guarantee we're going to have to bleep it out if I say Mephibosheth in a row too many times. Um, but... King David, real quick history, King David, 
becomes a king, right? Before him was Saul. Saul tries to kill David. David ascends to the throne. Now, what was prudent in leadership, in political, and in military intelligence at that time, the accepted practice when you become king is you kill off everybody in the last lineage so that they can't lay claim to the throne. That would have been prudent, right? You get elected in, you wipe everybody out makes you feel a little bit better about, well, maybe just a little bit better about our political system. But anyway, <laughs> David should have wiped out everybody in Saul's lineage. And instead, he asked this question, who should I extend kindness to? If you don't like all of the Hebrew words that I gave and you want to just break it down, that's a good thing to just think about. Who should we extend kindness to? And, what, and the answer ends up this guy, Mephibosheth, who is the grandson of Saul, gets invited to his house. Remember, he should have killed him. Should have just totally lambasted him on Facebook saying, see, you piece of trash, dot, dot, dot. Instead, invites him to his home. Not only was he his political enemy, not only did he potentially endanger his entire family by laying claim to the lineage, but also he was lame. So he's a marginalized person. He said he was lame of foot. And what does David do? that models for us about this idea of mishpat, he said, you are welcome at my table and there will always be a spot at my table. Now, here's when I don't get it right. I'm like, well, that is a nice story. How can I parallel this with my life? I'm gonna encourage you not to parallel it with your life. I'm gonna encourage you to say, do you have a spot at your table for somebody else? I know that's scary, but what does it mean for us to invite the other into our homes? What does that mean to create that kind of space? Could be at your table. It's a value of echo is to create space at the table. Whether we're talking small groups that create space for growth, also for people that are not here to be able to be invited in. The widow, the orphan, the refugee, the poor. I'm a professional Christian. I am. That doesn't mean I'm a good Christian. It just means I get paid to be a Christian, all right? (laughs) I work for a Christian nonprofit, you know? And so I get paid to be a Christian, to stand here and talk to you. And one of the things my wife and I talk about is how do our kids understand the kingdom when we're not getting paid? What's happening in our home? And so we started saying, what does it mean to do justice? I mean, I work for an organization that says we do justice for the unreached. What does that mean in my home? So we started looking, and in our community, I live over north, and if you know, you know. Um, And uh, the foster care system is absolutely um, saturated. Uh, There are so many kids. It's quadrupled since we moved back to the Twin Cities. My wife and I just decided we were going to start down this path. The Bible says the widow, the orphan, is going to get a little bit uncomfortable for some of you here because I know some of you spouses are like nudging the other one. See, we should do something about this. I mean, that's up to you. There'll be a marriage counseling later. But, um, (laughs) and I, I only know this because I kept telling my wife, no, 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 no. I don't feel called. I don't feel equipped. I don't feel... Whatever, okay? Here's what the Bible says. Let's practice this thing. So we go to a couple of classes. We're county foster care providers and uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, Now we, well, this is what our family looks like right now. That's right. Hey, can I tell you something? The kingdom has exploded in my family's house when we read scripture and said, what can we do? It might not be for everybody, but don't count yourself out. I don't care if it's foster care. I don't care if it's working for the land. I don't care what it is, but I'm just saying, when we practice this very thing that scripture talks about, we need to pay attention to it. Uh, So you can create space in your family. You can create space in your community. Y'all are great at this. Partnering with the landing, what you do, this is one of the reasons why I love y'all. Because you guys have created space from the beginning to impact your community. And not just impact to grow what happens on a Sunday, but also to be out and encouraging and engaging. And I love that. There's a story um, in the Second Testament, Luke 10. It's in a couple of the Gospels, but it's the Good Samaritan. Now, if I asked you to raise your hand, almost everybody knows this because you don't even have to read the Bible. It's like literally the title of some of our country's laws, the Good Samaritan Law, the idea that when you see somebody, you help somebody, all right? And so in this Good Samaritan, the bottom line is someone gets beat up 
and somebody stops and adjusts their day to help the person. One of my favorite sermons of all time is by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he's talking about this passage and he specifically talks about the 13 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's the 13 miles that the Samaritan was walking, the 13 miles that was known for being dangerous, that was known for having a lot of crime, that was known for these type of things. And he encourages people, go find that 13 mile stretch in your city. And I will tell you, this place continually finds that 13-mile stretch, and not just in Rochester. I get to say thank you because you responded to the 13-mile stretch in my city. I live in North Minneapolis. That is the epitome of the 13-mile stretch. And in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, as everything was crazy, our grocery stores were shut down, our gas stations, our public transportation, literally my neighbors didn't know how they were going to have access to certain things. Do you know one of the first people to raise their hand and say, we want to help? This place. This place. You may not have known it. You may have felt stuck like, well, I'm not quite sure what to do in the midst of all this thing. You know, you, you watch news outlets, you see it, you feel the pain, you're trying to figure it out as a Christ follower, and your leadership stepped up. And they provided access to food. And not just the, the, the community was Little Earth. Our indigenous brothers and sisters who were literally the most vulnerable of everybody at that time. And you didn't just send a check. You drove up. You saw it. This is what this place is about. And I want to encourage you, if you're here, that this is part of your prophetic calling. This is part of who you are, is to live out biblical justice in your community what does that mean and don't just wait for the leaders become the leaders see it see it what needs to happen i don't know where the 13 mile stretch is in rochester i know where mayo clinic is i know where fiddle something coffee is because i just had a good cortado there this morning that's all i know you all need to know where your 13 mile stretch is and it's not just right here one last place not just in our families not just in our community but also in the world we started with that video. Last week, Pastor Andy, Pastor Andy, how does that sound? Is that Bishop? The Bishop uh, talked about Matthew 28, the Great Commission, one of the two greats, to go, porthetes, to move towards something, all of the world, which is where we get to serve. And let me tell you something, when we do that, lives are changed. When you embrace biblical justice, not just you feel better or one person is impacted, but literally hundreds, thousands, and even generations. I'm going to give you one final story as we land the plane, and it's the story of my friend Hannah. Check this out. My parents and village people work in the gravel pit. During rainy season, work is not possible since the shores are flooded. Many people go hungry from the little they earn from selling sand. Therefore, people are compelled to sell their bodies. In Nepal, there is a caste system. Brahman is the highest caste. Badi are a part of the Dalit, which is the lowest, the untouchable caste. When I was small, our friend and her husband lived near our house and they would often come to visit. The husband told my sister that he wanted to take her to visit our mother's birthplace in Ramgat. Instead, he took her in a tractor, where he drugged her to make her unconscious. He sold her for $30. I started losing consciousness from the shock of losing my sister. So my father took me to the hospital in Nepal Gunj. When the doctor checked the x-ray, he read the report that I was Badi. He then tried to rape me. Later, I told my father that my doctor tried to rape me. My father said, if we say something to anyone, they will not treat us. To whom shall we complain?
When I met Hannah, her ace was a crucial ace to be sold out in Delhi. And she has also had great fear that somebody will destroy her life. So it took a long time for me to establish relationship. And then I began to build relationship with Hannah, her father. I began to share my heart to them that in order to protect them, we would start hostel or home in Kathmandu and uh, give them education. And when I shared this, they, they got excited. When I went to the hostel, the behavior of the people there changed me. After going there, I learned what real love looks like. And the thing that changed me most has been getting to know Jesus. In seven years of time, out of 700 people, 400 people have come to know the Lord. And today, by the power of the gospel, the village is changing. And the former trafficker who sold Hannah's sister is the pastor of that church. I'm very thankful to the Lord for venture because partnership is helping us to fulfill our daily needs in the hostel, in the schools, everywhere. And together we are going to stop human trafficking in body people. I love that I heard unreal, and I'm not gonna correct you, but it's very real. This is what the gospel looks like. Dr. Cornell West said that justice is what love looks like in public. And he didn't make that up. That's a Jesus thing. That's a, that's a throughout history of the church thing. This is our role. Hannah now runs the first ever non women's empowerment nonprofit in Nepal. She's training women on feminine hygiene, on um, savings account, on business, and is leading in church planting. You're part of this story. At the beginning of the video, the dad says, to whom shall we complain? I'll tell you who, Echo. A church all the way across the pond, praying, engaging, choosing to not just feel bad, not just click like on Facebook, but doing something with it whether it's partnering with the landing, whether it's foster care, whether it's getting involved in missions. And I'm just gonna encourage you right now. See what I did there? I felt like I was yelling and getting all preachy. So I paused like a TED talk. <laughs> all right. Hey, the, if there's one thing I know, the gospel is good news for everybody. Yes. And if it's not good news for everybody, then we're doing something wrong. Yes. All right, interconnected, thriving, shalom. I'm just gonna ask you as we sing one last song that you would think about this idea of what it means to engage in justice. You're gonna to have to make a decision what it looks like to not just like the message and shake your head and what it looks like to have a conversation over the meal. What it looks like to make space in your finances, what it looks like for you to ask God to show you the 13 miles in Rochester because this, this is a great story throughout history and we get to play a role in this moment for his kingdom and for his glory. God of the universe, we say thank you for inviting us to your good, good story. We thank you that we are in relationship with you. If you do not have a relationship with God, you literally just have to say, I wanna have a relationship with you and then talk to somebody. And because of that relationship, help us to be light Help us to be what love looks like in public for your kingdom and your glory. Amen.
to you right now and I just keep seeing this image what Paul was able to do today is I feel like we are in a helicopter and we're looking down and we just got to go on this trip and see what's happening God but you are calling us to get out of the helicopter and get on the ground and do the work. God, I pray right now, whether it's us giving of our finance or giving of our time or sacrificing, God, I pray that you will implode us, God, that you will challenge us and get us uncomfortable. Now is the time here, God. Echo Church, we are to rally together to do the work, God. I pray that justice will reign in this city and in this nation, God. So often we think of what is going on next to us, our neighbors, but in reality, these people are our neighbors. And there are people dying right now, God, and I pray that you will equip us and you will send us out, God. I thank you for the bravery of people showing up and starting something like Venture. Took three people, God, what three people in this room are you calling to do something more? And I just pray right now for this season that you will use us, stretch us and get us uncomfortable, God. We give you today, we give you these people, they have a name, they have story and they deserve more, God. And we can give them more, God. And I pray right now that you will challenge us today that we are different, God. I pray for the brokenness in this room the phrase brokenness to thriving. There are people broken right now and they can't thrive until they accept you. And right now I wanna pray for the people who need you. You can raise your hands, you can close your eyes. Every single week here at Echo, we say a prayer and this prayer is for you. If you have not accepted Christ, I want this to be your moment. 
I believe that every single day we are called to say a prayer like this, to realign our life, to ask God of what he wants to do for us. And right now we're gonna pray it with you. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyways. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name, in his authority, amen. And we wanna celebrate with you. If this, this was your first time praying this prayer, Echo, let's celebrate together. You can have a seat. One thing we are led to do that I wanna let you in on is every week we give you an opportunity to give. And they're gonna put that slide up on the screen. You can text give, we have offering buckets on the way out. You can go to the Church Center app, you can go to our website, we have lots of options. Every single dollar you give to the, to the generous line item, it's gonna give you an option, general or generous. If you click generous, all of that is going to venture today. Echo, whether it's $5 or whatever God is calling you to, I challenge you to give something. Sacrifice something. Don't give comfortably. I heard a message recently that we are to give, yes, our first 10%, but whether it's giving your first 10% of your time. Maybe you can serve 10 hours of your week this week. Maybe you can go down to the landing or show up for someone in some way. Maybe it's showing up for someone today but I wanna challenge you to live out loud. God calls us to live and flow like a river. We are to seek him. And so I just want to inspire you today to live out that calling. I look around and I am consistently inspired by all of you. I wanna do some venture trips. And I, I told Andy, I will support you in running from home, but we will do some trips. I, I'll do a step challenge for, for venture, Who, who's in? So let's reclaim the kingdom today. Let's reclaim justice. If you are inspired, let's, I, I'm inspired. Who's inspired? Who wants Paul to come back? Yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. You guys can have, you guys can step up and go, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you.